There were times that I went without supper to bed, but my son hit his foot. So you don't have to be a doctor or an engineer, but you, you must have a job that you can be proud of. Well, I, I really I really had fun at the Olympics, and I enjoyed it, but it was a surprise to me when I won the medals, let me tell you. Hello, and welcome to Elder Wisdom, Stories from the Green Bench. I'm Kathy Buckworth, and today we are traveling to the village of Wentworth Heights in Hamilton, to visit with a very interesting lady, a lady called Barbara Sackett. And before we get to Wentworth Village, though, I'm going to introduce someone from another Schlegel village, my lovely co-host, Evelyn Brindle. Good morning, Evelyn. Good morning, Kathy. I'm really looking forward to meeting Barbara and talking with her this morning. We have so much in common, so it's going to be quite interesting for me to share some of her experiences especially with the traveling situation that she had in the move to Canada itself. Uh, so it should be a very good and interesting episode. I agree. And I, I agree. I think I have a few things in common. I also have four children, but I do not have four sons. So I am very interested in meeting <laughs> the lady who has survived four sons. Good morning, Barbara. Good morning. So we have some notes in front of us and so many topics to cover with you today. We really appreciate you taking the time. One of the things I really wanted to get right into was these four sons and moving them around. Tell me a little bit about that. We were going to London on a, on a sabbatical leave and we went, decided to go and check, with, check in with the school principals just to tell them we would be gone. And the result was very interesting. The, the uh, high school principal was wonderful, thought it was a grand idea and we'd have such a good time and it was super and it would be really good for the boy and have a good time. The principal in the middle school was somewhat leery, but thought, well, that, that might not be a bad idea, but be sure that we take the syllabus and the uh, for English and math. And then he went to see the principal in the little school, the elementary school, who was absolutely horrified at what we were going to do to our children. We were going to ruin their lives. We were going to take them away from their friends for a year. Uh, it was just an awful thing to do. We, we were terrible parents. We said, fine, thank you very much, goodbye. And we went to England and it was the most wonderful year we had because the children hadn't had a whole lot of time with their dad around. And that was, that was a real treat. We went, we did all sorts of things and they saw all sorts of sites. They went to school there at a um, school that was made up of 44 different nationalities. And it was, it was eye-opening to the boys. We were quite excited because they were buying a newspaper on the way down to school every day. We thought, oh, that was that was a good thing to read the newspaper until we realized that it was the sun 
and on page four was the Sunshine Girl. Um, however, they did they did benefit. They made friends from all over the world. We think that it, we couldn't have done a better thing for them. Yeah, and I understand they were, is that right, 15, 13, 10, and 9? Quite, uh, you know, close together in age. Yes, yes. Um, every Essentially every two years. Um, but it was... Uh, I, I don't know. Once you have two, you might as well have four. <laughs> and it was- yeah, I have four. I have four myself. I, t- I totally get you. And I understand that one of your sons that may have been complaining about going called you years later and, and said he appreciated the effort after he'd taken his own teenage kids. <laughs> it's just interesting. Up until Christmas, they wanted to come home. And after Christmas, they didn't really want to come home. Um, they missed their friends, but they had such an active life there in the the two other ones were old enough to trust out in the city, um, and and uh, they they expanded their horizons a lot. Barbara, uh, I know your sabbaticals, which usually run about a year or so, um, but the biggest uprooting that you had was moving from the new states. Uh, since you were born and raised in the U.S., to Canada. Um, I know that's quite a different situation because I've gone through that myself, having been a native Detroiter for many years and then moving here to Toronto and becoming a Canadian citizen as well. Uh, We had two young daughters at the time of our move here. And uh, that wasn't very easy as well, because it was, even though they were young, eight and five, uh, it was a problem for them. How did you manage that? Or did you have children at the time when you moved to Canada? When we moved up here, um, we had the four children and uh, they were amenable to whatever we wanted to do. One concern was one of the children had epilepsy, uh, and that was a concern of transferring the health and, and things like that. But we, uh, my husband came home one day and said, how would you like to move to Hamilton? And I thought, oh, Bermuda, wonderful. But it was Hamilton, Ontario. And we came up, honestly, looking for every reason why we should not make the move. Uh, the people from McMaster University and and the potential medical school that was opening up at that point were were wonderful and fabulous. And we knew that this was the place that we had to be at that time of David's career. Um, and, and the children, um, it was another move and it was fine. And I, th- I think that, that the choice we made to move to Canada was one of the best decisions any of us have ever made in our lives. I share that with you. Our whole family does too. <laughs> so, yes, it uh, was a good decision. Um, you've, you've moved so many times, uh, 31 times in various sabbaticals and other, you know, the move here. How, That's right. How do the your children look back on all of that? It's it's interesting. It's it's they were 
they were a bit grumpy now and then when we moved around. Um, and when you talk to them now, they're all adults in their late 50s and 60s. Uh, it's the best thing we did for them. Um, they, one of the things they learned was to be self-sufficient um, and, and handle themselves um, pretty much alone until they fell down and then we were there to pick them up. Um, they, they have all become homebodies and nobody's moved around at all. Um, but, but the, 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 uh, the life we gave them is much appreciated and they don't snicker when they hear the word cathedral anymore. <laughs> um, they, my, my oldest son, when his daughter who came from Irish roots, um, he took her to Ireland for two weeks, 13 year old daughter and my son. And when they got back, our phone rang and he said, mom, dad, I apologize for being such a nuisance when we were traveling. And we simply said, apology accepted, Dave. Um, we, for example, we, we were traveling around in Switzerland and it was miserable weather, oh, raining and cold. And, it, and David said, I'm going to pull into the first hotel I see, which was a fairly ritzy hotel. And we went up to our room and the, the bathroom was extraordinarily large because it had a swimming pool in it, not a bathtub, but a, a swimming pool with, you know, with the uh, saving ring on the, on the wall in case anybody wanted to drown. And four of the family jumped in immediately. The oldest one with hair to his shoulder said, I don't want to get my hair wet, mom. Let's go play ping pong. So what does a mother do? Mother goes to play ping pong, dying for the swimming pool. And about 10 minutes later, he said, oh, come on, let's go. And so we doffed our clothes and jumped into the swimming pool to it. And that's something that everybody remembers is that, is that night. Of, of, it uh, is. And it, it's interesting that telling the story about your own, you know, his son talking about his teenage daughter, you know, putting himself in someone else's shoes. And that's something that you really believe a lot in is you have to walk a mile in someone else's shoes. And, and tell us about when you moved to Ireland, when your husband was forced to walk in a bit of your shoes. Yes, we, we uh, were due for our second sabbatical. I wanted to go to Egypt, but I was voted down by three other voices. And so we decided on Ireland. And uh, my husband's job at that time was to write two books. This is before computer uh, made it easy. And I decided that I wanted to do something with my time besides medical research, which I was involved in. And um, I was going to do some botany, some, something different. And then um, I realized that I needed to uh, upgrade my uh credentials so that I could get better job. And so I went to the uh, community health chairman in, in, at Trinity College and said, I would like to audit your classes. And he said, all right, why? Well, I said, I want to 
to learn what he was teaching. And he said, well, why don't you just sign up? And I said, I haven't, I haven't been in school for 30 years. So, so an hour later, I went home to tell David that I had signed up as a full-time graduate student. And I was probably 20, 20 years older than any of the other 10 people in that class. And it was, it was a fascinating experience for all of us. I knew no Irish. Um, and I had a friend who would help me read the newspaper in the morning. And we often had um, guest lecturers who would say, I'd like to know to whom I'm speaking. So could you introduce yourselves? And without any, anything ever being said, it was the person on my left started and came around until they got to me and I was the last. And people said, oh, I'm, a, I'm graduated in physics. Oh, I'm a nurse. Oh, I'm a doctor from um, Iran, et cetera. And they got to me and I would say, I'm a Canadian. I have a degree in fine arts and literature. And this lecturer would always say, why are you there? And everybody would laugh and we all had a great time. Um, I was told by one of the professors that my very great contribution to that whole class was um, my, my wisdom, my life experience, my confidence in myself. And the, the professor who taught a sociologist, sociology um, was a very interesting gentleman who wore a monocle. And he was maybe 10 years older than I. And I was, he really wanted to be called James. Um, and, and the kids in the class, they couldn't do it. I mean, he was this, this imperious sort of gentleman with the monocle and I could do it. No, no, no problem. And the, the kids in the class didn't understand his language because unwisely he used a five syllable word where two would have been just fine. And the minute he did that, my hand went up and he said, yes. I said, James, James, I don't understand what pragmatic means. And so he would explain it. And the, the kids were, they were very grateful. There was a, a, a young man who'd taken his medicine in Russia and there were two from Iran and one from Iraq. Um, and so I could see where I could be helpful in those lines. Well, wisdom is something that we obviously like to share on this podcast. So I can see that that was really helpful in the classroom. What do you think is sort of the key to success if you're if you're starting new things like that? Um, I think from experience, it's attitude. Um, and I, I did a research project for my degree in Ireland. And attitude came out to be top, second only, sorry, to health. If, if you have reasonable health, um, you can, you can uh, sway your life if you, if you have the appropriate attitude. Um, today, today I am suffering from a cold. <laughs> and I got up this morning and said, I 
can do this. I will do this. And I put on nice clothes and took a shower and here I am. And it was the attitude that I will, I will do this. And we are so grateful that you did. We're so glad that you're here. Thank you. And I know your motto is half of the success in life is attitude. And I think that's exactly right. We, we all need to have that. The attitude that you have influences your day. And that's very important to have a bright outlook. You always said, too, that education is always a good idea, and you've taken quite a few classes, I understand, through the years, um, including a creative thinking class and another very special class that um, was quite interesting, um, working with stained glass. Could you tell us a little more about that episode? Um I, yes, I've I've taken many many classes, uh, interest classes over my life, um, and one was with stained glass, and uh, we we used blue glass, which was very expensive and very important, and uh, we we would be very quiet. People were cutting their glass, and Somebody would say, oh, <laughs> so that's what we call the guy, oh, glass, because it, it, you didn't want to break your blue glass. I, uh, <clears throat> I took a, a lot of classes, um, and when I was in Ireland, um, I, David and I both learned one of our biggest experiences, and that was I was in school all day, and he was at home tending the home fires and the children and the plumber that came in and wanted to talk about his sex life. And there's just wonderful stories about that. But the best is I think I came home one night and I was a bit late getting in and he met me at the front door, hands on hips and saying, where have you been? Well, I'm sorry I'm late. Well, my roast is in the oven and it's ruined. Couldn't you get to a telephone? And I said, well, I, w I was on my way home and somebody wanted to know about questionnaire design and I had to stop and help him. And it, it would have been forever until I could find a phone. And we both sat down on the floor and laughed because it was experiencing each other's life in Canada. And he could see how I would be very angry if I ruined the pot roast to the month. And I could see how he was very angry. And, and we realized that we had to adjust our, our expectations. I think that was a, a very valuable lesson. Um, I also wanted to talk to you about the fact that you moved so many times, Barbara. Um, you had to, of course, give up the communities that you were living in and find new community and new friends. How did you go about that? Um, I had a I had a learning experience when we went to Boston for a year. Boston, if you weren't born there, is a very difficult place to be. We had four kids. Um, when we left after a year, we we said goodbye to the people on one side of us, goodbye to the people on the other side of us, waved to the people across the street, and left. 
after a year. And I decided that when you move someplace, you do not ever wait for somebody to come knock on your door because they're not going to do it. When we went to London, um, I saw the boys, the older boys coming home from school. And number two son was walking with a friend who went into the door of the house across the street. And so I took my coffee cup and went across the street and said, hi, and made a good friend. And, and it's, it's, you put yourself out and they will respond. I think that's true all, all the way, all the way through life. Um, and I've had an experience here of a person I thought was appealing to me and very interesting, but she wasn't terribly friendly and, and wasn't inclined to remember my name, but we were put into a situation not long ago where it was, was, she was in one chair and I was in the other and that was it. And we started talking and we found that we had, we were talking art and, and we found we had so much in common and so many of the, of the same attitudes and perceptions that, that from that I, I made a new friend and it's, it's, it's wonderful. And I, I, here in Wentworth Heights, it, it's quite a large place, and it's sometimes hard to get to know people when when you first move in. But when you join groups and when you put yourself out, when you do something kind for somebody, it comes back to you. Yes, that's true. And you, since you mentioned Wentworth Heights, uh, I understand you visited about 10 other assisted living places or facilities. Uh, why did you decide to move to Wentworth Heights when you were looking for a place to move to? It, yes, it's very interesting. I, uh, I knew a lot of the places because I had done uh, medical research in, in the city, but I, I shortlisted 10. And I, I asked a friend if she would come with me to be another set of ears because in a, in a place like that, she kind of get over, overwhelmed. Um, and she agreed to come with me. And I said, you know, friend, I know what I want. And she said, you know, friend, I know that. <laughs> um, so we, we went to the first one and it was, it was all right, but the, the living area, we looked from above and it, chairs were set in a big circle, but they weren't set in a conversational uh, setting at all. So you'd sit in a chair, but people were sitting in chairs around you. And it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't very applicable to getting to know anybody. Um, we went to one that we walked through the front door and out the back. Um, and it's, it's absolutely, it's vibes and, and, it's hard to explain, but, but you know, you know when you get it. And we walked through the door and we said, yes, this is it. And part of the funniest thing was there was a woman sitting by the front door with the dog in her lap. And we thought, oh, isn't it too bad that she doesn't have anything else to do but sit in the chair with her dog? And at which point she looked at her watch and said, oh, thank goodness, I've only got another 10 minutes. We said, what, what's that about? And she said, the dog loves people and he wants to come down and say hello to everybody. So I give him an hour every morning and we come down and say hello to people. 
and then I get on with my life. I understand, Barbara, it was important for you to take a friend um, and turn down the offer from your sons to take you around. What was the thinking? What was the thinking there? My my sons know how determined an individual I am and independent. And I said to them, I know what I want and it's for me. And um, that's, that's the important thing. And the oldest son is a wonderful person, um, said, mom, I'll go with you. And I said, no, thanks anyway. Um, I'm going myself. I didn't, I didn't want the kids to be trying to influence me. I, I do have one son that lives in Hamilton and never in all these years have I ever lived near any of them. And that has been a, that was probably one of the, one of the deciding factors. It was a part of the criteria. It was, would be interesting to be in the same town they are. But um, I just, I liked the people here. I liked what I saw. People were walking around doing things. Everybody's saying hello. It just was the ambience in in uh, Wuthering Heights, Wuthering Heights, yeah, um, and it's it's. I say to everybody, it was the best move at the best time for me. Um, it's it's been a it's been a grand experience. There there are times, you know, we all have kind of brown days, um, and if you sit up in your room, and think, oh, I'm not doing anything. I can't see anybody. Um, that's not the thing to do. I, whenever I meet somebody, I encourage people to, to get out of the rooms, join a group, try things out, and see what you like and see what you don't like. Um, well, I'm excited to have a pro on moving on the line, especially when it comes to packing up stuff and divesting of things that things that might even be family heirlooms. So, okay, Barbara, give us your top tips on how to purge your stuff. Um, having, this is the 31st move I've made so far. Um, and I have winnowed my way down quite a bit. And when I was coming here, I had to go from a cottage to two rooms, two and a half rooms. Um, and I would look at items and put them in three categories. I must have this. It would be nice to have this. I don't need to have this and the don't needs go out right away. Um, and then you consider space and, and my, my grandmother had um, embroidered a pillow way back when 1800s. And I loved that pillow. It was very pretty, but it was not, didn't match my colors at all. It was getting a little tatty around it. And I thought, grandma, uh, you will understand this. And I just put it in a green bag and out of sight, out of mind. And I had seen the apartment into which I was going to move so I could place furniture and books and, and things. And I rented a trash container, put it out in the back garden of the cottage and filled it. And I only made I only made one mistake, which isn't isn't bad. I I did give away my my mother's sewing kit, which I had refinished, and but it 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 didn't work. It, it the locks didn't lock, etc. So I thought, no, I'll I'll leave that behind. And I, I wish I had kept it just for appearance's sake, but that's the only mistake that I can think of. 
that I made. And once you've, once you've moved a couple of times, um, you, you get it. And I, I always, I always did the packing. Um, if you have packers come in, they pack your morning garbage and, um, put the coffee, coffee grounds in a can. <clears throat> and, um, I, when I do the packing, A, I'm in control, which I quite like. And um, I know where things where things go, so I can label the box and, you know, bedroom, closet, whatever. And that makes it a lot easier for the movers when they come in. Yeah. I, I heard that you had an interesting way of um, getting rid of some of that stuff, uh, giving it away. <laughs> Well, when I was moving down here, I I just had a my dining room table, and if I didn't want something, I put it on the dining room table, and anybody that came in for coffee or to help or whatever would just oh oh I'll have this, and that that's that was good, and and everything that had another life in it uh, found a new home, and I went to people's home for dinner just before leaving. And I said, oh, gee, those are cute candle holders. <laughs> Jane said, uh, yes, they're yours. <laughs> so, um, but, but things, things found new homes and, and that was good. Yeah. I, I think what I'm hearing is perhaps the children don't want the heirlooms. This is what I'm, I'm hearing from you. So we shouldn't count on that as a way to sort of get rid of some of our stuff. Kids, I find that the kids want, want nothing. Really, um, yeah. the, the um, there are a few things in the, in the, my rooms here that they that will find new places. I have a collection of of uh, bears of, that came from the Arctic, and somebody better take those bears. I've I've got three or four people standing by if the kids don't want them. But um, and the one of the grandchildren came in and said, "Whatever nobody takes, I'll take." But um, I'll be I'll be gone, so they can they can uh, do what they want with it. I've enjoyed it. I've I've I have one picture that I put together of of multiple pictures of grandchildren when they were in costumes and just different ages, and it's it's fabulous. And nobody wants it. I can't bring myself to throw it away, so I hang it on the wall, and and that's that's just well, fine. And it's for you to enjoy. And you know the name of this podcast, I think, is Elder Wisdom. And we like to draw out some wisdom from our guests. So if you can leave our listeners with one piece of advice, what would that be, Barbara? It took me quite a while to find this, but please have confidence in, in yourself. Um, as, as I said in the beginning, you can do it. Do it. Whatever you want to do, go for it. Um, I was not a confident person in the early, early parts of my life. And that has grown and grown and grown. And I've taken some, taken some courses to help with it and, and uh, just be confident and be, be kind. Um, I just find that if you say a kind word or a kind expression or a compliment that, that uh, it's such a little thing and it, and it works it works well. Well, um, I am confident that our listeners will enjoy this episode a great deal. Uh, don't you agree, Evelyn? Oh, definitely. 
uh, it's um, just just to have the experience of of different countries, different areas, different people, exposure to so many things in their life. Uh, that has always been a, a real treasure in my mind. And I think you be, need to be commended as well, Barbara, uh, as the mother of four sons. I know that couldn't be an easy task. I only have two daughters and Occasionally, that's been a little touch and go. Um, but Sophocles once said that sons are the anchors of a mother's life, and that seems to be very true for you. I, I, whatever, whatever children I was delighted to get, I was happy with them. Yes, they're, they're wonderful. They're wonderful boys. Well, thank you so much for this today, Barbara. We truly appreciate your time. Um, this has been another fantastic episode, of course, of Elder Wisdom Stories from the Green Bench. I'm Kathy Buckworth. On behalf of myself and Evelyn Brindle, thanks to everyone who has been listening in with a special thank you, of course, to Barbara Sackett of Wentworth Village. Thanks again. Thank you. Elder Wisdom Stories from the Green Bench is brought to you by Schlegel Villages, a complete continuum of care, offering independent living to long-term care, celebrating and honoring the wisdom of the elder. To learn more about us, please go to our website, schlegelvillages.com. <laughs>